Kevin Caron Valley. This is new favorite movie back again for another Friday episode. I think for the most part, I've done a pretty good job of staying positive about every movie that I've talked about so far in the podcast with a couple pretty noticeable exceptions. I don't really want to be negative about movies in general. And anyone who follows me on Letterboxd will see that I'm probably too quick to give movies better scores than they actually deserve. But that's just because I love movies uh, and I just I have a vague understanding of how hard they can be to make. So I'm always trying to find the positives. Every once in a while, though, that unfortunately can't be done. There is a new movie that was released on Netflix this Wednesday that really pushed my abilities to look for the good through all the bad. And while I normally come on here on a Friday to talk about movies that look interesting or people might enjoy checking out, I felt like I needed to put out this episode almost as a bit of a a warning or a caution. So anyone who might check out this movie on the weekend knows exactly what they're walking into. That movie uh, is, of course, Blonde. Uh, This is the Marilyn Monroe quote-unquote biopic, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure how else to to sort of frame it. So this is the new movie from Andrew Dominic, who has made three movies previously. He made Chopper, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, and most recently, which, you know, I think at this point is over a decade old or just about a decade old, he made a movie called Killing Them Softly. I would flat out recommend all three of these movies. Um, they they do run the sort of spectrum of genre and whatnot. I think the assassination of Jesse James is a bit of a modern masterpiece. Uh, it's quickly become one of my favorite westerns. Killing Them Softly is a deeply deeply cynical crime movie about America, and Chopper is his first movie, and it's about the most infamous prisoner in Australia and uh, in some ways may actually be uh, a bit of a companion piece or a bit of a an indication about how he would tackle Marilyn Monroe uh, because Chopper is very uh, it's very much like you know if you're going to tell the truth of the myth you always tell the myth and that's how Chopper is sort of dealt with this new movie though Blonde is an imagined fairy tale sort of slash mostly nightmare biopic of Marilyn Monroe based on the Joyce Carol Oates novel. And the most crucial point up front, the the thing that needs to be said before any discussion of the movie takes place is that this novel and the movie that's based on it is not based on any fact. So this is not a faithful retelling of Norma Jean or Marilyn Monroe. So this is not and probably should not be considered a biopic in any traditional sense uh, in any way, shape or form. This is, you know, very unconcerned with telling her true story. The novel, Blonde, that Dominic has adapted and has, you know, on record said that he's very faithfully adapted has been labeled by some people as essentially fan fiction. Although I would question the use of fan in this context. And uh, I'll definitely, well, we can we can get into that and I'll explain that a little bit later. 
the title itself may be a little peek behind the sort of creative vision of these two uh, people of the of uh, Joyce Carol Oates, the author, and Andrew Dominic, the director. Blonde certainly, you know, captures the iconography of Monroe and, you know, it's, you know, her signature look and what she, you know, sort of obviously stood out for her, for her hair. Uh, however, I think not having either name that she went by in the title may be a way of getting, a, you know, some distance from the real person. Uh, I think it's probably something to do with focusing the the filmmaker's attention and our attention on one aspect of Marilyn Monroe, but removing absolutely everything else. Monroe herself is played by Anna de Armas. Uh, is the performance any good? <laughs> I guess we will we will check back on that a little bit later. I can I can explain that a little bit later. But you know she's the star. Uh, Bobby Cannavale's in it. Adrian Brody's in it. Uh, there are a few uh, notable people acting, and they're they're playing notable characters throughout history as well. Uh, the basic plot description is that we follow Norma Jean as she grows up and gets her start in Hollywood, uh, and as the character of Marilyn Monroe sort of slowly consumes her identity, shapes her relationships, and the internal struggle, emotional struggle of this duality that she faced and she had to deal with. Uh, many of the key moments from Monroe's life are here. The, the movie goes to painstaking lengths to recreate many of the scenes from her movies and photo shoots that she did. That's probably by far the best part of the movie is that uh, I would say like, you know, they, they obviously did the research in that respect and they they you know wanted to faithfully recreate those things however there's also a lot that is not represented you know which can be fine this is a movie it's not a documentary uh, i i've said it before i don't think people should have the expectation that uh when watching a movie that everything in the movie is truthful uh i i think that's ridiculous we are watching a drama so like things will obviously need to be cut but there's also the inclusion of many events that we know just flat out did not happen. And this is where the movie starts to lose me. So Dominic has repeatedly stated in interviews that he wanted to A, faithfully adapt Joyce Carol Oates' novel, and then B, explore the emotional state of someone who apparently, you know, someone who has it all and yet still kills themselves. So... I think the problem that I have with this sort of mission statement is that you can't really do both when the foundation for the latter half is ba is not based on reality. So Oates' novel invents and distorts events and things that happened throughout Monroe's life, and therefore an honest and faithful retelling of the novel can't possibly get into Monroe's real psyche because there's no attempt at showing the real person. We're not... We're not following Marilyn Monroe. And so you can't possibly then get into her emotional state as things happen throughout her life because the, the person that you've presented to us is not the real person. There is maybe a kernel of a good idea that comes up in the movie a few times. And that's about how Norma Jean felt like Marilyn Monroe was only a character who existed on screen. And so you know, we, we, we see this before where 
somebody will will have a character and then they'll slip into this character for the performance and then they you know they come out of it and then that's how they 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 feel like they feel like their life is it they, they feel like their life is two different distinct parts however the difference here is that Norma Jean never felt like Marilyn Monroe apparently uh she never felt like her during or uh before during or after any of the filming uh, of of the movies when she was doing her work she never felt like Marilyn Monroe she always felt like Norma Jean however when she would then watch the movies on the big screen she recognized that's not me that is a different person altogether and that's where this Marilyn Monroe character comes from and so like that is a genuinely interesting idea to explore especially with somebody like Marilyn Monroe, who is so iconic and has meant so much to so many people over the years. But again, the the issue with this movie is, well, then who is this about? Because there doesn't seem to be enough to distinguish Norma Jean from the Marilyn Monroe character, even when she's not filming a movie. So even when there are scenes where she's at home with her husband or she's out with friends, she still seems like Marilyn Monroe. The performance is still indicating that this is the same person across all scenes. Um, so Armis's performance is exactly the same. And it's always leaning towards Monroe. I, th- I felt anyways. Like there, there's the, the sort of breathy childlike voice, the, the over-sexualization. All of that stuff seems to be present in every single scene even when it's not Marilyn Monroe. So whose story are we telling here? Or or if you're going to say that it's two different people, you have to show us two distinct people. And the movie doesn't do any of this. Uh, and so because the movie doesn't do any of this, and because it plays into all the sort of stereotypes of Marilyn Monroe and all the cliches of Marilyn Monroe, that leaves me with a lot of questions and doubts about Andrew Dominic's intentions. Now, you come this far, I won't profess to be a Marilyn Monroe expert. Uh, I've seen a number of her movies and always thought that she was sort of better than I expected. Uh, as a soccer fan, the person that has always come to mind when I when I was thinking about Marilyn Monroe and comparing her was David Beckham, sort of somebody who transcends their field by like such a great extent that people have completely forgotten how good they actually were in the first place. But this is an aspect of Blonde that Oates and Dominic don't seem to care about. I said that I would question the use of fan in fan fiction for the Oates novel and subsequently Dominic's movie. And that's because this movie seems to really hate its central subject. The movie constantly downplays and mocks Monroe's acting and talent, instead always playing to sort of this sex pot reputation that she had. It never gives her any agency in, in all of her life decisions. Uh, and all of this sort of then compounds and gives Ana de Armas just like very little to work with. So Monroe had great range. If you go and watch her movies, she is good in a lot of different things. She acted in dramas and comedies and romance and you know, uh, neo-noirs and things like that. Like she was sort of in everything and she worked with a lot of great directors. And I would say that Armas herself so far in her sort of brief career has proven to be fairly talented in many of the same ways that Marilyn Monroe was talented. Uh, and yet the movie just 
wants her to be miserable. They just want her to be sad. And she's more or less crying in every scene. And I think that just, for one, it does a great disservice to Armis herself, who now has little to play with. But it also just completely kneecaps the movie because now you're just sitting through just sort of misery after misery, trauma after trauma. And like, unfortunately, this all comes back to Andrew Dominic, who wrote and directed this movie. So he had creative control over a lot of this stuff that we are seeing. And he has come out and he has stated that he doesn't really believe anyone watches Marilyn Monroe's movies anymore, which we just know isn't true. He doesn't really care if the movie somehow warps the public perception of her. He sort of doesn't believe that it can, and he doesn't care if it does. So I think it's pretty safe to say where he comes down on the whole fan part of this fan fiction story. I think at the end of the day, this movie is nearly three hours. It's filled with distracting directorial choices. Dominic is constantly shifting aspect ratios. He's constantly shifting between color and black and white. Um, There are dream sequences. There are flashbacks. There are voiceovers from unborn babies. There's a lot in here that is sort of just very distracting and very questionable. Um, The focus of the movie is on imagined misery and abuse uh, and unfortunately, Anna Darmus's performance is one note by choice, by definition. So I think the tough thing with Blonde is that this won't satisfy anyone who knows Marilyn Monroe's story. It won't enlighten anyone who doesn't. And I can't imagine anyone who puts this on for a cozy movie night at home will enjoy it. So all of that is to say, like, who is this for? Who is this movie for? Who who out there is, like, actively going to, you know, defend this movie and, and shout from the rooftops that it should be seen by the masses? Um, the, like, the thought that I had at the end of this was that Andrew Dominic wanted to make a movie that would punish the audience for sort of leering and invading Monroe's privacy by making a movie that was leering and invading of Monroe's privacy. So I don't I, I just really, really question what the thinking behind this whole movie was. But I'll say like rant over. I hope that was somewhat coherent. And because this is a Friday show and I want to recommend good stuff, I would say the one thing that blonde can do and hopefully does do for people and anyone who does sit down and put themselves through this is that it's a really good excuse to go back and revisit or watch for the first time some of these movies that Marilyn Monroe did do and made her such a cultural icon. So she has starred in two romantic comedies by the great Billy Wilder, sort of one of the greatest writers and directors ever in Hollywood. And those are The Seven Year Itch and Some Like It Hot. There is, of course, the musical Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which co-stars Jane Russell, and that's the movie where we get the uh, very famous Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend number. And then she had brief roles in the early part of her career in two movies. Uh, The first one is All About Eve, 
which is a sort of scathing look at theater and Hollywood and the cutthroat world of the stage, sort of what it takes to get on top and stay on top and maybe tear down people that you need to tear down. And then the second one is a John Huston crime noir called The Asphalt Jungle, which when I watched this, I was like, oh, this is just a blueprint for almost every heist movie that I've ever seen in my life. It's all right here. So she is in both of those movies. She has brief roles in both of those movies. They were they were at the beginning of her career. Uh, but like I said, I'm certainly not an expert on her career or most of the movies that she's made. I've only seen a few of them. So there's still a lot that I need to check out for myself. If you have any Marilyn Monroe recommendations that you think I would enjoy, absolutely reach out. Let me know where should I go next? What should I be looking for next? But I would be checking out literally any of her actual movies before I decided to watch Blonde again, which, if I'm being honest, I probably won't ever do. Um, I imagine that it's not out of the realm of possibility that unfortunately this movie gets reclaimed in a few years as like a technical masterpiece because... If I'm staying true to myself and I am looking for positives, there are some genuinely incredible and impressive visual sequences in the movie, but everything that the movie is saying and doing just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth that like, I absolutely could not recommend Blonde to literally anybody for any reason. But Marilyn Monroe, lots of things out there, lots of things worth checking out. I will be back on Wednesday where we are hopefully kicking off our October horror series with the first couple movies. I think they are going to be The Blair Witch Project and another small movie called The Descent. So hopefully that is out on Wednesday. If not, it'll be a couple other movies, but I will be back on Wednesday and so I will see everybody then. <laughs>